What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Instant Replay Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dominic Sharosky, and I am very, very, very excited. And there's a big reason as to why I'm very excited. There's a lot going on in the sports world. You know, it's 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 so funny to think that, like, you know, back in March and April, I was sitting here like, oh, my God, there's nothing going on. And now everything is all back. Everything is here. Everything is off and running. Um, and I'm very thankful. Like I said, I've, I feel like I've been saying this a couple of times now. Um so forgive me if I'm just repeating myself at this point, but I am very happy that sports are back, man. I have something to talk about. I have something to enjoy. Um, but most importantly, football. The wait is over. We are six days away from the NFL kicking off the 2020 season. Uh, you know what? It, it it's only right. Hold on, let me, because like I I've said this before. This this is whenever whenever I hear this song, this is what I think of when I when I think of football. I gotta play this in the background. Hold on. This is for all my Madden players. Anybody that watched NFL films back in the day. This song is synonymous with football. The NFL is back in six days. And man, oh man, I am so thankful. I am just, it's, words do not describe how happy I am to have the, the NFL back. Now, will the NFL be able to play out their full season? Who knows? We have no idea. Some teams are saying that they will be having fans. Other teams have basically said, no, we're shutting that down. No fans will be there this year. Who knows? All we do know is that they're going to start the season. Will they finish it? Eh, we'll figure it out. But the season is starting in six days. I'm super excited about that. But other than the season starting, um, there's a couple of things that are super important that we need to touch on in the NFL. Uh, a couple of really big moves, a couple of big announcements, um, right off the top, Leonard Fournette was released by the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I said this, uh, right after he was released that within 48 hours, he would be signed by either the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the Seattle Seahawks. I'm going to go ahead and give myself a pat on the back there, pat on the back. Because I was 1,000% correct there. Leonard Fournette signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And man, it just kind of feels like we should just go ahead and give the Bucks their ring, huh? Like, Tom Brady, I mean, have you ever seen a guy go from one perfect situation to just another perfect situation? Like, 
think about it. Tom goes and he's in New England and it works perfectly for two decades. He has 20 plus years of just sustained excellence. You have the greatest head coach of all time. He constantly is putting you in positions to win. You are having the greatest career in NFL history. You are now cemented as the greatest quarterback of all time after being a sixth round pick. No one thought you would amount to much. And here you are having this illustrious career in New England. And then you finally get tired of New England. Things start to you know grow a little sour there between you and Bill Belichick. And you go and you say, you know what? I'm moving on. I'm not ready to retire yet, even though I'm 42. I'm still here. I still got something left in the tank. Let me go out and enjoy myself. Let me go out and play and let me be a free agent for the first time. Let me decide where I'm going to play. Let me feel wanted. Let me feel desired. And you land in Tampa Bay, which Tampa Bay never really been a home for success. Never really been a free agent destination. But Tom Brady walks in there and all of a sudden that team looks different. Tom Brady goes to Tampa Bay and all of a sudden everyone wants to go to Tampa Bay and play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady goes there. They already have a really good set of skill players with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Ronald Jones. Then LaShawn McCoy goes to Tampa Bay. And then Gronk comes out of retirement and joins an already stacked tight end group in Tampa Bay with O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait. Then Leonard Fournette is released by the Jacksonville Jaguars. And you guessed it. He goes and says, you know what? I'm probably still going to get this like $4 million from the Jaguars. The Bucks are going to pay me about $3 million, so I'm going to be making about $7 million next year. And I probably have a really good, I finally have an opportunity to play for a good franchise that's going to be playing for meaningful games. Yeah, why not? I got Tom Brady, who, by the way, loves to dink and dunk to his running backs. And the big knock on Leonard Fournette was, hey, he doesn't really uh, catch the ball out of the backfield. Well, he disproved that last year because he had, I believe, 76 catches last year, which ranked fifth amongst running backs. So he's very clear. His hands are completely fine, and he can be a threat out of the backfield as far as being a receiving option goes. Um, this team is just so stacked with talent and it's still sounding like some guys might still be trying to get there. Like I remember, uh, on the pet, on the Patrick McAfee show, uh, or it was actually the McAfee and Hawk where Patrick, Patrick McAfee and AJ Hawk, um, have a show together and they were talking to Clay Matthews and they asked Clay, like, Hey, you're someone who you've kind of, you've had your big paydays. You are towards the twilight of your career. Are you thinking about ring chasing? Maybe you want to get one more before you get out of here. And, you know, they kind of said something about Tampa Bay. And he was like, oh, you know, it's it, he basically kind of alluded that Tampa Bay is an option. Right. So it's very clear that Tampa Bay is now a free agent hub. Tampa Bay is now the place that you want to go if you want to win a ring. Which to Buccaneer fans, I'm sure sounds 
incredulous, right? Like, I'm sure Buccaneer fans are looking around and just like, hey, this is pretty cool. Like, this is different. Like, people actually want to come to Tampa Bay. Um, but huge pickup for them. Huge pickup for the Bucks. I mean, they just don't have a weakness on that offense, right? That's And that's what makes this team so dangerous is that you have Tom Brady, who, I mean, again, greatest quarterback of all time. He's not going to throw 30 interceptions the way Jameis Winston did. You have Mike Evans. You have Chris Godwin. Um, you go out and you sign Leonard Fournette. So now you have Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones and LaShawn McCoy. And then you have Rob Gronkowski and OJ Howard and Cameron Brait. Uh, you went out and you draft Isaiah Wynn in the first round to help shore up that offensive line. You also signed AQ Shipley to help shore up that offensive line to make sure that Tom Brady is well protected. I mean, it just feels like everything is falling perfectly for Tom Brady and that he made the right decision selecting Tampa Bay. Um, but boy, it kind of feels like they're the Golden State War. Like this kind of feels like the NFL's version of what the Golden State Warriors were a couple of years ago. You know, when Kevin Durant was there, it's like it's just so much firepower. They can beat you, like, and that's the thing, right? Is that this offense now is at a point where we can beat you at whatever game we need to play. You want us to dink and dunk and have the little flashy running backs? Cool. We have Ronald Jones and we have LeSean McCoy. You want someone who can be a thumper and you want us to run a ground and pound type running game? All right, Leonard Fournette, go ahead and run everybody over. You want us to get into a shootout? Completely fine. We have Tom Brady. We have Mike Evans. We have Chris Godwin. We have an assortment of great skill players, right? They can play and win any type of game. And... It's very scary. I'm super excited to see what um, what this means for Tampa Bay. I'm really excited to see what this team is going to look like and how they play together. I'm sure it will take them uh, a little bit of time to just get everyone worked in and get kind of that chemistry together. But once they do, it's very hard seeing this team lose. And that's only talking about the offensive side of the ball. That's not even mentioning the defensive side of the ball, which has – a ton of really good players. That front seven is impeccable. Their secondary is a little questionable. However, when you have a front seven that's that good, you're able to tell your secondary, hey guys, you know, our front seven is probably going to get after the quarterback. So you don't have, like, you're not relying on your secondary to cover five, six, seven, eight seconds down the field, right? Like, you're not asking them to cover for that long because. You know, when you have Indominus Sue and Shaq Barrett and such, and guys like that, JPP, it's like they're going to get after the quarterback. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see how this uh, Tampa Bay team plays. I know I'm excited. I'm excited for football to be back in general, but um, it's going to be insane to see what this team looks like, especially once they get it rolling. I was going to say around, I think around – week six or seven is when you'll really see this team pick it up. I think they might have a little bit of, you know, just growing pains and just getting meshing together for those first couple of weeks. But by week six, week seven, they're going to have things put together and it's going to be scary. Um, now 
Speaking of another team that's in that division, a team that very that they actually will play on opening week, the New Orleans Saints. Um, the Saints have come out as a team that one of the two or three teams that are making a late push for Jadevian Clowney. Um, Jadevian Clowney has sat back. He's been extremely patient. He has turned down offers uh, specifically from the Cleveland Browns, which I thought was very interesting. Um, Jadevian Clowney, apparently the Cleveland Browns have made multiple offers to Jadevian Clowney from what I've heard. Um, they've made one-year option, one-year deals, two-year deals, three-year deals where he would have been getting paid an exorbitant amount of money. Um, and he also would have had the opportunity to play alongside uh, Miles Garrett, which would have been really scary. Um, he turned that down. So the Saints have come out as a team very close to uh, the beginning of the season. The Saints have come out as one of the teams that are making a final push, and they are trying to go all in on getting Jadevian Clowney. And I feel like that is a direct response to the amount of talent that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers already had and have now acquired. Um, I think the Saints really want to make this happen because they sit back and it's like, listen, they have a ton of really talented guys. They can beat us a ton of ways. And the best way to beat Tom Brady has always been to make him move. He's not a mobile quarterback. He doesn't like getting out of the pocket. He's not a guy that's going to extend plays. He's just not, that's not his forte. That's not his game. The best way to beat Tom Brady is to get him, is to get pressure on him, get him off his spot. You get Jadevian Clowney, you pair him up with Cameron Jordan. I think that's why they're making this late push. Now, the Tennessee Titans themselves are also making a late push. Um, so Jadevian Clowney will have some options. I believe the Seattle Seahawks are still at least interested in bringing him back. Not sure if they would be able to make that happen. Um, but it seems like the Saints are the team that it seems like are pushing really hard um, and are trying to pull out all the stops at the last minute to get him into the Saints uniform. And it makes sense. Like I said, this is a direct response to everything that the Bucks have done this offseason because you sat back and watched the Bucks get extremely better <laughs> this offseason. Um, so you got to make some sort of moves. We'll see what happens. But it does seem like Jadevian Clowney's long wait in free agency is coming to an end. Um, and he will be either wearing a Titans uniform or a Saints uniform. We will see. The other big news, another big running back, uh, running back news. Um, and this was interesting because of what's going on in Washington. Um, Washington, the Washington football team announced that they are releasing Adrian Peterson. Now, yes, Adrian Peterson is, is not the Adrian Peterson of old. Obviously this is not the Adrian Peterson with the Minnesota Vikings, but it's not like Adrian Peterson had been playing bad in Washington. In fact, he'd actually been really good over the last two seasons. He's averaged almost still at his advanced age has been averaging nearly a, a thousand yards a season. He's played two seasons now in Washington. I believe he ha had a total of like 1,940 yards during his time there. So it's not like he hasn't been productive. He's been good. And then, like I said, with Washington, it's interesting because Washington just released Darius Geis, who was a phenomenal, talented running back, um, had a ton of 
injuries to like kind of ACL injuries and he was never healthy. And then he started having, uh, there was a case that came out of domestic violence uh, abuse. Um, and he, uh, I believe, turned himself in um, or was arrested on those charges um, and things like that. Like these just cases started to come out and this this noise was starting to come out about Darius Geis and the Washington, and the Washington football team basically just moved on from him. But when they moved on from Darius Geis, that running back room got thinner. And so it kind of is interesting that they would release Adrian Peterson. Now, I don't expect Adrian Peterson to be on the market too long just because I think Adrian Peterson is such a specimen that he can still go out and provide really, really good carry. Like, he can still be valuable to you. And not just in a complimentary, like, uh, as a teacher role. Now, I do think that is the best role he can be. I think he's a great short yardage guy, uh, someone who can maybe close out a game for you. Um, I think a situation like in Kansas City would be amazing for Adrian Peterson. I would love to see Adrian Peterson get a ring, um, maybe kind of do what LaShawn McCoy did. Now, granted, the Chiefs didn't really use LaShawn McCoy that much um, last year, especially in the play in that playoff stretch. I don't I think he was did not participate and was a scratch in all of their playoff games. Um, but if you're the chiefs, you know, Damian Williams, who was their starting running back last year and was a guy who you arguably could have said was, should have been the Super Bowl MVP. Um, he's opted out this year, so he won't be playing, which means now granted Clyde Edwards Hilaire was their first round pick who was a guy I love. I love what I saw out of him out of LSU. Um, he's going to be taking over as a starter, but it would be really nice for Clyde to have Adrian Peterson behind him to teach him just like the wealth of knowledge and experience that Adrian Peterson has. Um, I think that'd be a great pickup for the chiefs. Um, but we'll see what happens, but that was definitely surprising news. I didn't expect Adrian Peterson to be released. Mohamed Sanu was also released a couple of days ago by the new England Patriots. And apparently it was just because he looked really slow. It seems like injuries and it seems like age have finally started to catch up to Mohamed Sanu because according to a New England Patriot uh, reporter, uh, Tom Curran, he said that, you know, I was watching these the team practice and go all that stuff, but and Mohamed Sanu just couldn't get away from anybody. Like they were sitting there and everyone, and he said tons of reporters were sitting there watching and saying he looks really slow. Um, so Mohamed Sanu was released, but that's not the big news out of New England. Now, this is big news. This shouldn't be big news. This is actually what I expected, and it's just funny that it's big news now because people just love to write off guys and talk trash because they need to find something to stir up the uh, stir up some content so that way they can get people talking and get some clicks and get some views. But for everyone that was in there, that was in New England, that was outside of New England, that was talking about how is Cam going to fit with Bill Belichick and he's doing all the dancing and the dabbing and, and he's not going to be able to do that in New England and they're not going to mesh and you know their personalities. Cam might even get cut. Jared Stidham is going to be the starter and all this other blah, 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 blah. 
all of that was put to rest. Cam Cameron Newton was announced as the starter for the New England Patriots. And not only was he announced as a starter, they also announced that he was elected one of the team captains. So for everyone that was sitting there trying to just rag on Cam Newton for absolutely no reason, shut up. Okay. It's working out just fine in New England. Bill Belichick loves him. He's enjoying himself. The players on that team love him. He's a great leader. He's still a great player. I think there, I think there are big things in store for Cam Newton this year. I think that he's finally healthy, having been able to really sit back for essentially a year and a half now and not play too much football and just be able to sit back, rehab, get healthy. You know, people forget a couple of years ago, like before he injured his shoulder, Cam was playing really well, and that Panthers team was playing really well. Um, so up to that point you know he hurt his shoulder from that point he wasn't really the same and then he was playing through a hurt shoulder then he goes out hurts his foot and he just didn't look like the same guy he's had time to heal he's had time to sit back relax rehab i'm excited to see what cam newton looks like this year i'm very upset still that it's in a new england patriots uniform (laughs) but um shout out to cam very happy to hear that he's doing well um, moving on, speaking of football though, the NCAA has been playing a couple of games. It was actually a game yesterday, uh, South Alabama and Southern Mississippi, and there were fans there. Now, I believe, I think it was only at about 25% capacity. Um, it seemed like they were trying to socially distance and trying to have sections and stuff like that, but it was very clear that people were not adhering to the six-foot rule. Um, but it was just interesting to see that. Also, that game was the debut for Frank Gore's son, Frank Gore Jr., who made his first uh, appearance and first start. Um, he's, a fr- he's a true freshman uh, at Southern Mississippi, so he got to play, which was pretty cool just seeing frank gore jr out there um but yeah it's it's interesting to see what this is gonna do um the big news for college football though um is apparently the pac-12 which is funny because the pac-12 is kind of the division that gets forgotten like of the of the big five like of the five powerhouse divisions the pac-12 is kind of like the one that's like yeah, you guys are at the bottom of the totem pole. The Pac-12, out of any everyone, apparently has some new technology that they got where they have some new equipment that can test and tell if you have coronavirus within 15 minutes. If that is true, that is a huge piece of equipment that needs to be shipped to each and every conference, and we need to go ahead and get that stuff out there so we can see get quicker turnarounds and that not just every conference that needs to be everywhere that needs to be available to everyone, not just athletes. Um, but that's interesting news. We'll see. I don't know how accurate this thing is. We've seen even in the NFL, they have some problems with uh, positive or false positive tests. Um, so we shall see what happens there, but seems like some te- college football is trying to come back. It seems the NFL is 100% going to move on. Like I said, the NFL is back in six days. So 
I'm I'm just excited, man. I'm just I'm thrilled. I'm like a kid in a candy store. It sounds so weird saying that the NFL is six days away. Like with everything that has happened this year, to really sit here and be like, yeah, no, there's gonna be like football games, like real professional football games played in in less than a week. Um, still sounds surreal to me. Um, but while the NFL is starting. The NBA is in the throes of its playoffs, and boy, have they been incredible. Listen, the playoffs in the bubble have been amazing. There have been crazy games, crazy finishes. There have been some terrible calls by the refs um, that have cost people games, Um, but this bubble has been a huge success. Like I, man, I, I don't know if I want to go back to regular basketball. Like, I don't know if I want to go back to basketball in regular stadiums or regular arenas. Like bubble basketball is so good. (laughs) Like bubble basketball is incredible. Um, first up, we'll talk about the Clippers and the Nuggets. So the Nuggets were able to, uh, complete the comeback and, beat the Utah Jazz after being down 3-1. The Nuggets were able to come back, won three straight games. Um, Jamal Murray, absolutely incredible uh, in showing out. Um, had a three-game stretch where he scored 142 points. Um, absolutely phenomenal what the Nuggets did. Uh, forced the game seven, won the game seven. Moved on from the Nuggets to take on the Clippers, and it was not close in game one. Now, I expected that because, you know, there's always that that question of, do you want to be rested or do you want to be on a roll, right? Um, and I feel like my answer is different depending on the sport. Um, so, like, in the NBA... I would rather be rested. I would rather be the team that hasn't played in four or five days as opposed to the team that just played a game seven, two days ago or a, a, yeah, or like 40, like less than 48 hours ago, just because I don't think you can really get out of rhythm. I don't think you can really lose chemistry. I don't think you can get too rusty in the span of five or six days. Right. Like, I feel like, especially once you get into, once you really are into NBA form and once you're getting, like, once you're really into the season and you're, like, in shape, I think it takes more than five or six days to really knock you off your rhythm. Whereas guys that are just finishing up a game seven, like, you just played a tough, grueling series all of that adrenaline, all of the nerves that come with the game seven, you finally have a chance to exhale after that game seven, but you don't really have a chance to exhale too much because you have to turn right around and it's like, okay, we made it through that series. And then you look up and it's like, damn, all right, new series. Got to start this whole process all over again. Um, I would much rather be rested. And I think that showed in this game one, the Clippers flat out dominated in every aspect of the game. Um, Now, 
part of that also is just because the this Nuggets team is not great defensively. Um, that has been the big crux of the Nuggets is that they are a really good offensive team. Uh, they also got Gary Harris back, which was huge. I like. I'm very happy that he's going to be back for this series. He will be on a minutes restriction, um, but I do think that helps them defensively a little bit. But when you just look at this team, like there's a ton of offensive firepower, but defensively they lack. You know, like Jokic is one of the best centers in the league, but he provides almost nothing for you really defensively. He's not a rim protector. He's not a great post defender. He's not super athletic, so he's not really able to stay with guards or guys that are faster. Jamal Murray, defense isn't really his main game. Michael Porter Jr., defense isn't his thing. Paul Millsap is not a great defender. Um, so this team struggles defensively, and that's going to be a problem against this Clippers team that has some guys who are just – really talented you know like Kawhi Leonard has been phenomenal this entire playoffs he scored 29 the other night um Paul George has offensive potential like we know like when Paul George is on he's phenomenal now he has not been on um for these playoffs and Paul George needs to figure out what's going on because playoff P has been pretty lackluster um but Paul George, uh, Lou Williams, you know, there's it's, this Clippers is a, the Clippers are a really good team from top to bottom. Uh, and the Nuggets just seem like they don't have an answer. Like, it just feels like the Nuggets can't get stops against this team. Now, I do think that this series will be a little bit more competitive moving forward, just because I do think that the Nuggets will snap back and be able to start playing um, at a better clip. Than they did in game one. Like I said, I think game one, you're coming off of that high wave of emotions. I think you come out a little flat just because you finally have that moment to exhale. And maybe you take, maybe that exhale just kind of flattens you out. You can't really get up for game one because you're still getting over the fact that, damn, we just made this incredible comeback. Like we just were in a game seven, like, Oh my goodness. Um, so maybe they're a little fatigued, uh, but we'll see what happens moving forward. Um, but I believe the Clippers will win this series. I, I believe the Clippers are the best team in the Western Conference. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens and see if the Nuggets can respond. I just don't think that they can stop this Clippers team defensively, and that'll be the main reason why they lose. The Raptors. Now, this Raptors and Celtics series almost turn, took a turn for the worst for the Raptors. So the Raptors came out and lost and were down 2-0 to the Boston Celtics. Um, I do believe the Raptors will lose this series, but Game 3 was pivotal. Game 3, this, like, this might be the, de- the determining factor of the series. If the Raptors come back and win this series, it is because of what happened in Game 3. So, game three, tough, wire-to-wire, greatly contested game. It was close the entire time. Um, Jalen Brown was playing phenomenal defense on Pascal Siakam. Pascal Siakam, I said this, 
I said this on Twitter, Jalen Brown was holding Pascal Siakam hostage the other night. Like Pascal Siakam couldn't eat, could barely get a shot off. What like Jalen Brown had him in purgatory. Um, but it was a great game all the way through. Um, but those last, those last seven seconds. So you have a situation, the game is tied. Um, the game is tied. I believe it was 101. I believe the game, yeah, it was tied up at like 90. It was either tied up at 101 or tied up at 99, something like that. But the game was tied, and Kimball Walker has the ball. Kimball Walker comes up, starts to do his own thing. He's calling for the ISO. Dribbles, almost loses his footing getting around the defender. Somehow keeps possession of the ball and is able to stay in control and makes an incredible, I mean, just incredible bounce pass to Ennis Cantor, who dunks and puts them up two points with only half a second remaining. He makes that pass. There's half a second, or it might have been uh, Daniel Tice. It might have been Daniel Tice, um, not Ennis Cantor, who scored the bucket. But if who scored the bucket is irrelevant. <laughs> Just know the Celtics are up by two with half a second left. And it looks like Celtics are about to take a 3-0 lead and probably sweep this Raptors team. So now the Raptors go, call a timeout, and they're getting ready to inbound. The Celtics bring in Taco Fall who is like seven foot three and put him to help defend Kyle Lowry on the inbound pass. Like Kyle Lowry is making the inbound pass and you have Taco Fall just sitting there with his wingspans stretched to the heavens to make this pass as difficult as possible for Kyle Lowry. Now there's half a second left. So you don't necessarily have to throw a lot. If you can get it to somebody cleanly, they can take a last second shot. They can't now they can't dribble, they can't do anything other than shoot the ball. Now, Kyle Lowry finds OG unknown boy. OG unknown boy in the corner of the left side of the court. And makes a phenomenal pass. I mean, it, it was a perfect pass. High, went, landed right in the bread basket. Like, I mean, perfect pass by Kyle Lowry. OG catches it, shoots it, splash for three. Game over. The Raptors win. Which, by the way, was the only shot OG took in the second half. That three-point game-winning shot was the only shot that OG took in the second half. Crazy ending. The Raptors avoid the two the three nothing uh the three oh start to this series and like I said potentially save this series. Now I have a little bit of beef with the Boston Celtics because OG was wide open in the corner and I don't understand how you don't have anyone out there to cover him. How in that situation Brad Stevens, whoever Everyone on the floor, how in that situation do you allow 
anyone to get a clean look? How in that situation do you allow anyone to get a wide open shot? That just can't happen, right? And if the Celtics lose this series, they're going to look back at that defensive play, at that defensive possession, and it's going to haunt them. Because there's no way in the world OG should have been that wide open in that situation. But it was a phenomenal game, man. It was, I mean, just I'm like heart racing, exciting, great game. Did the Raptors save the series? I don't think so. <laughs> I do think Boston will win will win this series. Um I think Toronto has one more win in them. I just think that the Celtics are too talented. You know, I think the Celtics just have too much firepower for the Raptors. Um, So I think the Raptors might win uh, game five. I think the Celtics will win the next game, game four. Raptors will win game five, and then the Celtics will go ahead and wrap this up in game six. But that was a great game. Crazy finish. Um, It's been really, really, really wild. Uh, the finishes that have happened in this these bubble playoffs. Just wild finish, man. Wild finish. Um, speaking of wild finishes, the Milwaukee Bucks, the team that was the cream of the crop in the Eastern Conference, cream of the crop, in the entire NBA, they had the best record in the NBA. They were the number one seed in the East. Looked like they were destined to come out of the Eastern Conference. And this just might finally be the year Giannis gets his ring. Well, the Miami Heat were not told that. <laughs> and it was very interesting coming into this se- this series because the Miami Heat where the one team was the one team that you felt they're not scared of the, scared of the bucks. Giannis doesn't scare them. The bucks, big bad bucks won all these games. Best team in the league, best record in the league. That's cute. We're here to play ball. And it is showing in this series. The bucks find themselves down 2 nothing. Now, game one, Jimmy Butler goes off for 40 points. Giannis, for whatever reason, you know, coach said that wasn't what coach told me to do, so I didn't want, I didn't go and guard Jimmy Butler. Whatever. Jimmy Butler torches the the Milwaukee Bucks to the tune of 40 points. They take game one. Game two. Game two. So I'm just going to go and I'm going to look at the end of game two. Another really good game, close all the way through. And what ends up happening is the the Heat are winning the game 114 to 111. 114 to 111. And something that we've and something that happens so often now in today's NBA because of just how many times guys shoot the three and how clever and crafty guys have gotten at being able to contort their body and sell 
a foul. Um, couple seconds left on the clock. Chris Middleton comes, pulls up for three. Goran Dragic fouls him. Fouls him. Now, you can argue that the ref in this situation, you shouldn't make that call. Because Goran Dragic goes and he has his hands up, but the problem is, especially in today's NBA, you have to let the shooter come down safely. You can't intrude in their landing space. If you do, it's going to be a foul every single time. It's a way that guys get hurt. It's a way that guys turn and twist and sprain ankles. You can't do it. You have to let the shooter land. Goran Dragic didn't do that. And I understand a lot of people are not going to be happy with that call. But by the rule of today's NBA, that is a foul. And the ref made the right call. Chris Middleton shoots the three. Goran Dragic fouls him. We're going to the line. Chris Middleton comes down. First one, sink. Second one, sink. Third one, sink. We're all tied up. 114 to 114. Now Miami has the ball with about two and a half seconds left, I believe. Get the ball, inbound, Jimmy Butler has it. Wesley Matthews plays tremendous defense on him. Sets it up, plays such good defense that Jimmy Butler can't get by him, and Jimmy Butler has to settle for a fade, yeah, for a for a fadeaway, about 17-foot jumper, like really tough shot, right? Wesley Matthews played great defense, has him dead to rights, and is forcing Jimmy to take a tough shot to win the game. And Giannis comes over with the help defense and gets Jimmy on the arm on the way down and also doesn't let Jimmy land. Now, as the ref, if I just called this for Chris Middleton, I have to call this for Jimmy Butler. And again... By the lay of the law, by the rule of today's NBA, what Giannis did is a foul. You got Jimmy on the arm, and you intruded on his landing space and did not let the shooter land safely. That's a foul. So Jimmy Butler gets to go and shoot two free throws with zero time left on the clock. He sinks both of them, and the Bucks lose game two on walk-off free throws. Yes. Like I said, the bubble has been crazy this year, okay? The bubble has been has given us things that we have not seen in so long. Jimmy Butler wins game 2 with walk-off free throws. Now, the Bucks and the Heat play tonight. Game 3. The Bucks are in a very crucial position right now. They find themselves in the exact same position that the Toronto Raptors found themselves last night. You're down 2-0, and you cannot, I mean cannot, afford to go down 3-0. Not to this Heat team, who, by the way, the Bucks have only beaten this Heat team once 
this entire season. The Heat were actually the only team during the regular season to have a winning record against the Milwaukee Bucks. The Heat played the Bucks twice, three times, I'm sorry, in the regular season and beat them two of those three games. Now, the Heat have two more wins. The Bucks are in a really, really precarious situation. Giannis is in a very dangerous situation because how in the world are we going to view Giannis if, yeah, you win Defensive Player of the Year, you win MVP of the Year, yeah, you, you, you win Defensive Player of the Year, you win MVP, you had the best record in all of basketball, you're the number one seed, and you lose in the second round? You go down 3-0, possibly get swept in the first round? It's a very dangerous position that the Bucks are in right now. It's going to be so- this game, which starts soon. That game will be, will be at 6.30, so that game is actually going to be starting in about two hours. It's it's The Bucks have to come out here and play like Because this, this is the series, essentially. This is the series, essentially. Like, no one has ever come back from being down 3-0. It's never happened. In the entire history of the NBA, no team has ever come back from being down 3-0. So if the Bucks lose tonight, that essentially is a death sentence. The Bucks need to come out and play like their lives depend on it, like their season depends on it. Because it does. I understand losing game two the way that you did. You feel like you were cheated. You feel like the refs gave the heat that game. I understand. But hey, it's the world that you live in. It's the world that you live in. Tonight, I think, is going to be a hellacious game. I think you're going to see guys scrambling. I think you're going to see guys getting chippy. I think there might be a couple of tussles. There's going to be some hard fouls. But all I know is tonight is going to be... Ve- that's. I'm more interested in that game than I am the Houston and Lakers game. And we're going to talk about the Houston and Lakers series uh, right after this. This game might be the most important. This game might be the most interesting game played in the playoffs this year. Game three... Heat Bucks, Bucks down to nothing. How do they respond? What does Giannis have in store? Is this team mentally tough enough to lock in and say, hey, we can't afford to lose this? Okay. We go down to we go down 3-0, that's it. It's going to be wild. I can't wait to watch this game. I'm super excited about it. But, boy, again, bubble playoffs have been better than we could have ever imagined. Um, It's been phenomenal. Now, moving on to the game that will be played later on after the Bucks and Heat at 9 o'clock tonight, the Houston Rockets take on the Los Angeles Lakers. And... 
again, we find ourselves in the situation of, do you want to be the team that is on a roll or do you want to be the team that is well-rested? The Lakers are well-rested. They have not played a game since Saturday, I believe. They've essentially had almost a week off. The Houston Rockets just came out of a grueling seven-game series against the Oklahoma City Thunder where they almost lost. They almost lost. Lou Dort, again, I know, a name none of us have ever heard. He's an individual who was a G League player at the beginning of the year, was coming off the bench for the Oklahoma City Thunder for quite some time, got the start, um, and has played phenomenal in uh, this playoff series specifically. Lou Dort torched the Rockets for 30 points. James Harden, in classic James Harden fashion, was choking in Game 7 and was giving them nothing offensively. Um, But the Rockets found a way to pull that game out, specifically with their defense. Uh, James Harden actually made probably what was the play of the game. Lou Dort, there's a point where the game was, I believe, either tied or the Rockets were up two. And Lou Dort, who isn't a great three-point shooter, but at that time, at that point in time had made like six threes in that game, gets a, gets a shot, yeah, gets the ball, and has an opportunity to take a three. And James Harden does a fantastic job of closing out, makes the block. Lou Dort gets the rebound, but because he has to jump up, tries to throw the ball off of James Harden. And James Harden has the wherewithal to avoid the ball and force the turnover. It was a phenomenal play by James Harden. I mean, again, was the play of the game. Then the Thunder had an opportunity where they were down two with about with maybe like two and a half seconds left in the game. Had an opportunity to maybe get one last second shot up. Uh, for whatever reason, they didn't see or just refused to go with go to Steven Adams, who had Eric Gordon fronting him in the post, in the paint. And they just decided, you know, because conventional wisdom would tell you Eric Gordon is like 6'3". Steven Adams is like 6'10". If we just throw this lob up at the rim, pretty likely Steven Adams is going to be the one that gets the ball. And he can probably just dunk it right over Aaron, Eric Gordon. And maybe he gets fouled and we get a potential three-point play to end this game. But no, they didn't do that. Uh, it looked like they were trying to get the ball to Chris Paul. Didn't happen. And then somehow, someway, they end up passing the ball to Steven Adams, who's running away from the rim and is running towards the three-point line. It doesn't even matter because the Houston Rockets played really good defense. Um were able to come in, break up the pass before Steven Adams could even collect it, uh, force the turnover. Game is over. Houston wins that series. But it was tough. It was grueling. Um, And I think we're going to see a very similar situation to what happened with the Nuggets and the Clippers last night. Um, I think the Rockets exerted so much effort, and there was so much nerves and just so much adrenaline for that Game 7. Um... There was so much, like, there was a lot of pressure on the Rockets because the Rockets, you know, they've gone all in on this small ball approach. And this would have been damning for them if they lose in the first round. If they lose in the first round, that's damning. I don't like, 
that's a situation where the, the you have to like you have to blow this team up like Mike D'Antoni might not even be able to still be the coach after this like this that was a huge series there was a lot of pressure on the Houston Rockets um the other night they found a way to win now you get to take on the Lakers and I'm gonna tell you all right now uh Steven Adams is not Anthony Davis um this is gonna be a series quite honestly I don't expect this series to be close um now if the Rockets can play the great defense that they have been playing in this series, maybe they have a chance. Maybe they have an opportunity to pull this out, but it just seems like they're so mismatched with the size that the Lakers have. I'm, it's just point blank period. The Rockets don't have an answer for Anthony Davis or Dwight Howard. You know, they don't. And that's going to be really tough. Like I said, again, Stephen Adams ain't Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis should and probably will be averaging about 35 and 15. Like he's going to average 35 points, 15 rebounds. And that's exactly what he should do because there's no one on that Rockets team that can stop him. Anthony Davis can score every possession down the floor on this Rockets team if he wants. Um, So like I said, I just, I don't really have a lot of faith in this Rockets team. Um, I think they'll come out flat the same way that the Nuggets did. Um, not really being, you know, kind of taking that breather and just all that adrenaline going to be a little fatigued mentally and physically. Uh, I think the Lakers take game one pretty easily. Uh, I think maybe the Rockets will be able to win one game, but uh, this series feels like it'll be over in five. I just, I just, I just think it's a really bad matchup for the Rockets. I do. The Rockets just, again, it's it's the simple fact that they don't have an answer for any of the bigs. The bigs in this Lakers series are going to go off. Um, and yeah, it's nice that Eric Gordon and P.J. Tucker and Robert Covington are really good defenders and they're scrappy and they're tough and they don't back down from anybody. But guess what? Just because you don't back down from anybody doesn't mean you won't get your head kicked in. <laughs> right? Like it's, it's a nice sentiment that you guys are giving your best effort, but sometimes your best just ain't good enough. And I feel like that's going to be the case here in this series. But we will see. Like I said, that game is tonight. The NBA playoffs have been so phenomenal, man. It's it's been incredible. It's been incredible. Shout again, shout out to Adam Silver. I feel like I've given Adam Sil- Adam Silver a ton of shout outs on this show just because I'm thoroughly impressed with what he's done and how he's um, maneuvered around this pandemic and how he's been able to put out a great product on the floor. Uh, with the NBA and the bubble. A um, couple little notes that I want to point out. Uh, Naomi Osaka, one of my favorite young tennis players, uh, won in three sets to advance in the U.S. Open. I uh, want to give her a quick shout-out. Love everything that she's about. Um, I love this new. I love this young crop of tennis players. Um Naomi Osaka, Coco Goff, like I really, I really think ten- tennis, specifically women's tennis, is in really great hands. Um, whenever Serena Williams decides to hang it up, she has two individuals behind her that are more than ready to take the torch. Um, so shout out to them. 
And the other really big news, and granted, because it's soccer, you know, here in the here in the states, we don't really care too much about uh, the real football. Uh, we don't really care too much about soccer. But the big news in soccer was that Leone Messi, who is the best player in the world, um, is staying in Barcelona. Now, this was huge news because it seemed like it was rumored. It, it was coming out that Messi was done. He was tired of really being the only person carrying Barcelona and that he was going to be out of there. And Barcelona fans were in a frenzy. Like it was like, it was like Michael Jordan leaving, right? Like it, it's, it was just world crashing down, but apparently changed his mind. It's doing a huge, yeah, did a whole 180. And he's going to stay in Barcelona. We'll see what that means. We'll see if they will, if that'll maybe be a little kick in the rear end for them to try and turn some things around and start making it a situation where Messi feels like he can win championships and win titles. But uh, that was huge news, the fact that he changed his mind, because it does seem like it was last second. Um, but like I said, Barcelona fans were absolutely frenzied. I mean, losing... Messi would have been horrendous for that team. <laughs> like, yeah, that would have been really bad <laughs> for that team. Um, but yeah, so that's a couple of our little random, random sports news. Um, but yeah, man, that's all we have for you today. I'm super excited. There's so much going on in sports right now. Like, there's, there's just it's sports overload, which I love. Right, like. You want a little football fix? You got your you got hard knocks, and then football. Hey, it'll be here in six days. Like football's right around the corner. Uh, college football—they're seemingly still trying to figure this whole thing out, and we might have a college football season. Um, the 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 bubble with the W with the NBA has been incredible. The wobble with the WNBA is impeccable. Uh, you got baseball games going on. You got hockey going on. Like there's you got soccer. Like it's so much so much sports and it's really fun to be able to turn on the tv and watch sports again it is i I really appreciate it but that's all we have for you today on this episode thank you all so much for listening for tuning in um if you like this episode if you like the show share with other people tell them about it tell a friend to tell a friend all that good stuff um really helps with just you know expanding the audience and stuff like that but you guys are awesome uh thank you so much and this has been the newest episode of instant replay as always i am your host dominic shirosky and as always i leave you with a quote kobe bryant once said no one hates the good ones they only hate the great ones so go out there make some new haters guys i'll see you tuesday